Where's Fielder? He's gone to the dogs. Welcome to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Fielder, coming at you one more time through the miracle of Al Gore's internet. Uh, we have a great podcast lined up for you today. I've been uh, really excited ever since this guy told me that he would uh, agree to come on. I, I've known our guest for quite a long time. Anybody in the Coonhound competition world will recognize the name. He's hunted some of the uh, most famous dogs in Coonhound history of the last few years and uh, has uh, made quite a, a resume for himself in major wins and so forth. But out swelling his head too big here today, I'll uh, introduce our audience to Mr. Jeff Rickliffs. How you doing, Jeff? I'm great, Steve, man. I tell you, my headphones don't fit anymore after that introduction. There. That was, uh, that was pretty nice of you. But. Well, you know what they say, it, it ain't bragging if you can do it, you know? So. Well, you know, I, you look back, it's been many, many, many years and I, you know, I guess I have had, you know, a lot of, a lot of accomplishments that I, you know, that I wanted to do and it, they've come to fruition. I mean, it's been, it's been unbelievable when you do look back through the years now, so. And I've just been very fortunate. Well, I tell you, as you say, or it says, you know, the harder we work, the luckier we get. And I know that you, for one, uh, are a guy that has really worked at this thing of uh, of being um, a professional handler and, uh, uh, you know, knowing your way around the uh, the the regulations and the rules and being knowledgeable and all of that stuff that goes along with it. And we're going to talk about all that stuff today. I want to do just a little bit of housekeeping and, and uh, pay the bills before we go any further. I want to thank my friends, uh, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, my producer, Shannon, out at DU Hunting Supply, W Hunting Supply, uh, that uh, provide the platform for me to come to you each week. Uh, you guys out there, if you have any needs uh, at all for your hounds or for your hunting activities, contact the people at dusupply.com. Uh, they have excellent customer service. They'll be uh, willing to. Uh, Absolutely service what they sell, help you with any questions or problems that you might have with your equipment. So there's a shout out. And, buddy, I've paid the bills for one more week. Okay, Jeff, I want our listeners, in case anybody's been hiding under a rock out there and don't know who you are or your background or whatever, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you were born, uh, you know, kind of what, uh, talk about your family, where you live now, uh, met your lovely wife, Gwen, back before you guys were married. And I said, man, Jeff has really stepped up his game here with this gal. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Jeff. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Well, I was actually born in 1963. So that tells you that I'm getting old. Um, and I was born in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, my dad, Ralph, and my mom, Diane Rickliffe. And I had two sisters, uh, both older than me. Um, and unfortunately, one of them, my oldest sister, 
uh, passed away in 2014 oh, at a very young age. Yeah. 57 years old. Oh, so, my. Hmm. Yeah. It was, a uh, it was quite the, quite the blow and very out of the, you know, just out of the blue, she, um, she had a, a cancer that they thought could be a pretty high success rate of cure and, and, it, and it, it, they couldn't cure it. So mm. she passed away in 14. Um, and then I have another sister and she actually just retired from state farm insurance after 43 years. Wow. About, mm. Yeah. A week ago, she's actually 63 years old. She still lives in the area around my mom. Um, you know, we lived outside a little town in between West Lafayette, which everybody will know where the Purdue Boilermakers are at. And then there's a little town called Otterburn, Indiana. And we lived out in the country in between those two. So that was, uh, you know, that's where I was born and raised and, and lived uh, most of my life until uh, around 2012. I, that's when I met Gwen and she's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hmm. And other side of the two, state. Yeah. Two hours. Yeah. So we did that lovely uh, uh, long distance dating mm-hmm. uh, for five <laughs> years, <laughs> but uh, yeah. she kind of came 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 from a hunting background. Her uh, her dad was a was a coon hunter way back in the day. He was a black and tan man, um, and he kind of he did it for a long time when he was young. But um, so she she knew what that was all about when we met, and um, so it was. I was very fortunate that when we really started dating a lot, I'd come up to spend the weekend, I would actually bring my dog and, and, um, her dad mm-hmm. showed me some places to hunt. So I was able to hunt as we were dating and, you know, that lasted for about five years and it was like, okay, um, <laughs> if we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get serious here. Let's do something. Well, I was, uh, I was driving a semi and, and hunting, um, hauling agriculture, agriculture products for a very good friend of mine, Kevin D boy. Um, very uh, good coon hunter too. We hunted a lot together. Hunted, you know, four or five nights a week, mm. and I drove a truck for him. So um, Gwen uh, works for uh, Northeastern REMC, a power company, and she'd been there for thirty years at the time. She's been there wow. thirty-two now, so how, however long that's been. And so it was just a a lot more, um, you know, it was much easier for me to make the move up here. And, uh, because, you know, she had, she had a lot of time invested in, uh, everything oh, yeah. there. So mm-hmm. I, so, um, at the time she was living in town and I said, that's not going to work. You know, I have coon dogs. <laughs> I, I have players, rangers, motorcycles. I'm, uh, I'm kind of the hillbilly redneck and, um, kind of a funny story. I'll tell real quick that when we were dating, um, her brother wanted to go coon hunting with me. It was kill season and I players ranger on a trailer. Uh, long story short, when the hunt was over that night, we had killed, he wanted to kill some coons. It was kill season. I'm not a huge coon killer, but we killed six or seven coons and I had them stacked on the back of this Polaris Ranger blood running down the sides. And, <laughs> and the, de- the next morning when we wake up, I'm parked in her real nice neighborhood with mud all over everything and coon <laughs> blood running down the sides. So, <laughs> so yeah, she realized right then that that was not going to work. But uh, yeah, uh, we uh, so <laughs> we, we got to keep bought, up appearances, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So we started looking around, and we actually bought four acres from her mom and dad. And mm. in 2016, I moved up, and we built a new house. And awesome! That's yeah. where we're at now. Yeah, and life is good, isn't it, Jeff? Life's great. We've yeah. uh, we've had some issues over the uh, actually just this over the last couple months that uh. I'll tell real quick. A lot of people, a lot of my friends know some, I'm sure some people don't know, but 
I, I'd have had some pretty bad back issues for 12 or 13 years that were kept under control with just epidural steroid shots and things. Well, uh, I, I got to the point where I was picking and choosing my hunts I wanted to go to by, uh, I needed to do like one rounder. If it was going to have to be hunted off, I dreaded going because I, I just knew after one round I was going to be almost crippled. Mm. So it got oh. bad. Um, I was picking like one nighters, um, or stuff that's going to be easy. And it still was, was horrible. Um, so I, I knew it was time to do something. I went and saw one, a surgeon here in Fort Wayne that was, that's very well known. And that day he gave me the news that I absolutely needed a pretty uh, serious back surgery. Um, within mm-hmm. a few hours of him telling me that and scheduling a surgery, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, Oh man. Yeah, it was, yeah. uh, it was a pretty, uh, it wasn't a very good day, but on the upside, all that, um, they caught her breast cancer at a very, very early age or early stage. It was actually at stage zero. Um, mm, and that's very, good. very, very, yeah, very small. Um, mm. so they did a very small, um, lumpectomy a couple months ago, got it all the, the margins around it were great. So mm. she actually mm. is right now, as we speak during her first radiation treatment, which is going to be, uh, just five of them. It's, um, two this week and three next week. And, um, she doesn't have to go back for six months. So that's all fantastic. Well, she'll and, definitely be in our thoughts and prayers, Jeff. Uh, what a sweet gal it. she is. I really in, have enjoyed speaking with her on a few, few occasions, uh, Absolutely. back, you know, when I was, uh, I think especially with PKC. And yes. uh, so we certainly wish her the best. Well, how's the back doing? Well, that's the, that's the next thing I was going to tell you that, um, it's been a blessing. I'm, I'm actually, I'm ready to roll. Uh, went back to my surgeon last week. They did x-rays Said everything's, everything is, um, you know, healing great. Still mm. on a little bit of a weight restriction as far as lifting. Um, don't want me to bouncing around on some stuff, but Hey, I can walk all I want. I've been hunting about every night here for, for four mm. or five weeks now. Um, it was a little bit hard getting around in the woods for the first few weeks. Just had to be careful not to fall in this, but it was a little harder trying to can't bend, twist, do this or that. So a little mm. difficult, but, uh, I've been walking two, four, five miles a day on the road out here, getting ready. And the last two weeks, uh, I met John Strickland up here, you know, it's who I hunt for now. And I met him up here last week and we hunted about all night. So this Friday night, I'm going to make my debut. I'm going to go to a hunt and, a doubleheader yeah. UKC hunt, see how I get along. And then next week's back to the big boys. I'm going to go down and try to rub elbows with at the $100,000 pro sport hunt. So well, awesome. Awesome. I'm, well, I'm ready to go. But yeah, to, to answer your question, the pain's gone with that, what I went in for. He absolutely fixed it. And it's, it's awesome. So. Oh, well, that's great. I've never actually had you know, any serious back problems. I've had a few, I've been told I've got a, couple bulging discs uh but i it really doesn't bother me i i just try to be careful about what i lift and all well listen that's just great news about you and gwen and uh yeah let's talk about your coon hunting background Uh, you said you grew up in the country over there around uh, lafayette or west lafayette Uh, how did you get started coon hunting (laughs) well it's kind of crazy we did my dad was was a little bit of a hunter um you know just some like rabbit and pheasant hunting when he was growing up um he had never ever been coon hunting in fact um and we had 
there was some neighbors about two miles north of us, pretty big farmers. Um, they raised hogs, sheep, uh, you know, bailed a lot of hay, stuff, stuff like that. And they had mm-hmm. a, they had a son that was uh, in the same grade as me. And so we got to be friends and what happened was I used to go up there on the weekends and I'd spend, you know, a night or two, maybe a whole weekend and I'd help work on the farm. And, and, um, his name was Chuck Dunwoody. It was the, the guy, the man's name. And his son was Brian McCarty. Um, and it was his stepson actually, but they were, they were coot. He was a coot hunter and just a farmer pleasure hunter. I mean, not much competition at all. And he hunted with some, uh, with some people around that area that that had competition a little bit, the uh, Brummets were their last name. And so I just, I was a very young, you know, around 10 years old. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was going to tell you that earlier too. I'm horrible with exact ages and dates and everything. <laughs> so if I, so if my friends hear me make a mistake on dates and stuff, that's uh that's going to happen because I'm, I'm, I'm horrible with that. But well, we're not going to fact, old. we're not going to fact yeah. check you. <laughs> Don't fact check me, but <laughs> that's right. But no, we I, we just go, and I remember, I mean, I still remember. I'm 59 years old now, and um, so 49 years later, I can remember the first few hunts I went on, I was hooked. I mean, it was just absolutely, I just was amazed at how dogs could, you know, smell a coon track and trail it over and, and tree up a tree, and there would be a raccoon in it. It was just unbelievable to me. So, I mean, I was hooked at a very young age, yeah, and it's, um, I started then just hunting with them, and I got old enough. Um, my uh, mom and dad let me get a dog, and uh, the first actual registered coon dog I ever got, people are going to laugh, was a Art Hunzucker bred black and tan. Hmm. So he was very, very well known back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, now, it, Art was from down in southern Indiana, wasn't he? Southern Illinois. Illinois. That's right. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually, uh, a friend of mine there in Lafayette was kind of hunting black and tans and was friend with Art, and we. Went down and picked this pup up, and uh, oh, it didn't really. He he ended up getting loose from the house there, and and he ended up getting hit by a car and broke his leg, and he never really got a chance. So he never really turned out. Um, mm-hmm. So the first, we'll switch gears here. The first real dog um, that I had that would actually trick him that I owned was a blue tick. <laughs> oh, well, so, well, I guess Strickland was proud of that. I mean, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. He'd be proud of that. Yeah. But we, uh, uh, there was a guy sold me, uh, I don't even, I have no clue how it was bred there again. I was still, I was under 16, couldn't drive, but he would, he would tree a coon. And, um, you know, I, I hunted him for a while and, and, uh, he was, uh, I, I believe I did hunt him in a couple, maybe UKC hunts. Don't, don't really remember what happened back then, but, um, to graduate into the, the first good dog I ever had, um, I bought from Bruce Jansen, which is mm-hmm. a lot of people might know. I believe you'll know his name for sure. Oh. Oh, yeah. um, he's a, he's probably one of the well-known, one of the best dog trainers in the country that, you know, a lot of people just don't know him, but. He's trained, he, you know, coon dogs, bird dogs, beagles, you name any kind of dog. He, he is trained and he was very good at it, but coon dogs is his main thing. And he still hunts now, you know, he hunted a lot of dogs for, uh, people don't know this. He didn't hunt and hunts much for him, but, um, when Russ Beller bought dogs, he'd send them to Bruce and say, you know, hunt them and see what I got. So I was about 18 or 19, um, 
I bought a young dog off Bruce and I was for the life of me, I was trying to think this morning and all I can remember was she was Finley Riverbred on one side, but mm-hmm. um, she was wild as a buck deer, but um, I made her, I, I made her into a very good dog. And I was, like I said, I was so hooked, but I, I'll never forget. Um, I kept track. And one time with this dog, I was so hard headed. Everybody said I would never calm her down enough to make her a good dog. And it was my first dog. So me and her were learning together, but I kept track and I hunted 63 nights in a row with that dog one time. I mean, that's how obsessed I was about coon hunting, but she turned out to be a great dog. Um, she, she, I made her grand night, placed her in the top 20 AKC, ACHA world hunts and things like that. So that was, like I said, that was my very first real coon dog I had. So, well, you know, I had a little bit of experience hunting over there in that general area of where you're from, uh, Jeff. I had, when I was president of the Plot Association, our secretary was a fellow named Wayne Griggs. Did you ever meet Wayne? I don't think He lived so. at Rensselaer. How, oh, far, yeah. how far would that have been from where 30, you? Probably 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, and he worked in a vet clinic there in Rensselaer, uh, was kind of like the office manager there and all. He was a okay. great guy. And I, uh, so we sold him a dog one time, and I went there uh, a few times and, and uh, pleasure hunted with him. But, uh, man, that's there's some nice hunting up there. Up around him, there seemed to be quite a bit of water and all. Um is that near? I mean, is that territory similar to where uh, where you hunt or did hunt? Yeah, yeah. We're and I still go down there. It's 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 only two hours from here, so I try to make mm-hmm. you know perfect perfect thing would be going down once a week because where I live now is a lot more populated, more right. patchwoods, not not big stuff like I'm used to. Mm-hmm. But um, I still go down and hunt, and yeah, it's I was born and raised right there, and cut my teeth coon hunting on the Wabash River bottom. Um, Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome coon hunt. Well, you know, Indiana has, a, uh, uh, rightfully so, has a great rep as being a, a, a great coon hunting state. And I imagine there's probably been more major events, especially for UKC, held in Indiana maybe than anywhere else. Uh, you've hunted all over the state. Where would you tend to think the best coon hunting is in the state of Indiana? You know, it's. A lot of people argue that the, the northern Indiana, where I'm at now, um, and it is, it's great hunting. Um, but <laughs> I tell, you know, people ask me, I've, I've been asked this question a lot. Oh, really? Not just, okay. not just Indiana, but mm-hmm. where's the best coon hunting in the, in the United States? Because right. I've, I've hunted pretty much everywhere. Sure. I think and, when you and I hunted, or at least the last time I went hunting with you was on a hunt out of southern Michigan up there. I think we were right. hunting somewhere up there around... Uh, uh, well, I can't think of the name. Probably the Reading thing. or Reading Yeah, or up around Reading, or, Onstead, that yeah. area. Right, right. Sure. And I, yeah. But I, you know, I've got to, I've got to go with, and you can, like I said, there's a lot of, um, a lot of people in the, the competition coonhound world that everybody knows that has been to my house in West Lafayette over there and hunted the river bottoms and all that country over there. And I, I don't think you're going to get an argument from any of them that that is some of the best coon hunting in the United States. It, wow. it honestly is. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's big country. You can, I mean, yeah. it's places you can, you can just keep cutting a dog and, and make, you know, 10, 12 trees and never move. So, 
you know, that's, it's, it's oh, some yeah. of the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. absolutely. Well, if anyone would know, you would, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I still love going down there. Just real quick. We, uh, I met Strickland down there last Wednesday. Um, he loves it. I mean, he just absolutely loves it. And we, we started at 10 o'clock and we quit at two 30 and we treat 13. Ah, that's getting it two, done. Two, two dogs on the ground, you know, just, just, you know, yeah. split hunting them, just sending one, one way and one, the other. And just, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome down there. Well, really you know, I lived in Southern Michigan and coon hunting's pretty good up there too. You darn right. Uh, yeah, it, it is. But, uh, and it spoiled me, you know, because I was there 22 years and after I, when I had to leave there and, uh, went to North Carolina, boy, it was a rude awakening, uh, there. And then things kind of got progressively worse for me as far as coon hunting yeah you know i was at now for sure (laughs) oh yeah i went to the mountains of north carolina and then of course you know there was uh, it's kind of like with you moving over toward fort wayne the ella was the one that persuaded me well she didn't really i persuaded myself because i knew i wanted to be where she was so i came (laughs) came to florida but uh well, let's see. Now, in those pleasure hunting years and all, did you have a favorite? Was it that Walker female? Was that your favorite uh, dog of the early days before you uh, competition hunted? Yeah. Um, you know, it progressed relatively quick um, from that point as far as, you know, I had her. Um, I had another one that I had actually bought from, bought from Bruce Jansen, a very nice little female we called candy same thing made her a grand um she was a lot farther along she was she was already a nice dog when i got her so that was a couple of them then i ended up breeding uh the jackie female to pac-man mm-hmm. and um i came up with a little dog named trixie that i really enjoyed her that so but things progressed quite quickly as far as me kind of getting out of my own stuff um you know i i got I got to where I was winning some local stuff, kind of got a, a name as far as, you know, just, just local stuff. There, there wasn't much, um, there wasn't much PKC going on at the time and it, it just kind of started. So PKC, but I was, you know, I was winning a lot of local UKC hunts and things mm-hmm. and it kind of progressed to where people were asking me to hunt their dogs. And I, I kind of did that. So, you know, there was, there's not a lot of dogs uh, mm-hmm. that I owned myself. I once I progressed into that, um, and it, it kind of snowballed pretty quick as far as turning into, to, um, you know, basically not, not real quick, but it did eventually escalate into where I did it for a living, you know? Yeah. Well, I believe it was 98 that I went to work for PKC. And of course I knew you were very much involved in PKC hunting at that time. Sure. Uh, you well, just to back up a bit how, about how old were you when you started competition hunting? Maybe entered your I first was about, hunt. Yeah, like like back in the day when I told you I had the old blue tick and um, mm-hmm. and all that. I was around fifteen or sixteen then, just a little mm-hmm. bit. But actually, the Jackie female was the one I really started. Um, she was the first one I really hit the hunts hard. And like I said, that was UKC days made her grand night. And she, by the time when she got a little older, uh, there, so there was a few PKC hunts around. I don't, I have no idea how much she wanted PKC, but that was about, I was around 20 years old then. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, about, so that'd have been 83. Yeah. Well, you know, there seems to be an influx of new hunters in our sport now. 
And I guess from my standpoint, a lot of that comes from the fact that a lot of guys my age have either quit or they've they've died, you know. Yeah. But uh, I've already outlived both my grandfathers, so that's. Uh, but uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I try to encourage the young people, and I really enjoy getting questions and 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 messages and so forth from young people with questions that they're having about training their dogs and all that and i i like to hear you say you know that you did start when you were young and that you know you were successful and that's what i keep telling these young guys i said it doesn't happen overnight but you know just stay with it pay attention you know listen to the people that know I think a lot of the younger or new hunters today want to, uh, you know, they feel like they've got to know everything right out the out the gate. But oh, yeah. uh, it's a learning curve, isn't it? Jeff? Oh my goodness, it's so much of a learning curve. And I, yeah, it's um, you know, I try to tell them too, to, yeah, don't get discouraged. And you know, I'm I'm not bad mouthing the the our younger generation that's winning now, but um, you know, it's there's, uh, you know, it's 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 fine but some of them go to extremes on certain things and they need to just back up take a breath and you know let it come Mm -hmm. to them instead of pushing so hard about some of these things but that's just the generation in general and and not just human and just life in general you Mm -hmm. know how they do things but yeah i have to remind myself all the time steve don't be that old guy at the club saying you guys don't know how (laughs) to do anything you got to do it the way it was back in the day and it was always better and all that and i know you know there's some things that yeah well they were better for for me because i loved it (laughs) and you know and that's what the way i remember things best and all but Times are always changing. I think about these young people and encouraging them. This story about the Kentucky Derby is just an amazing reminder to me of what can happen. You know, we say, uh, we've said on this podcast that, you know, on any given night, uh, you know, uh, any dog can win the hunt. You know, I'm sure. well within reason, you know, we, if the yeah. dog's running deer all night or whatever, then that's not going to work. But, but, you know, you have a chance if you've done your homework with your dog and you've and that dog will get treated and stay treated, you know, and you know, the rules, you've got a chance to win, you know, Absolutely. you're not going to win every night, but nobody is, but, uh, Anyway, that's that's a little uh, tip there. For more tips, follow me on Facebook, right? There you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, all this stems, and I I think I can talk for about every coon hunter out there. I believe that, you know, it it started off as from pleasure, you know, as pleasure Mm -hmm. hunting. I I just absolutely love to go coon hunting, no matter what. But, you Mm -hmm. know, once you, if you get in that, you get a little bit of that taste of the competition and you win a little bit. Um, for me, it was like, you know, for years now, I, I can't even tell you how long, but so now every single time I unsnap a snap on a coon dog, it's all about the training to go to the next hunt. Cause I want to win. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's, I, I just, that's, that's what it's been for many, many years for me. I mean, and it's many, many, many nights you're sitting on a couch and don't want to get up and go because right. oh, I got to get up early or I'm tired or whatever, but I'm, I mean. Still to this day, I, I make myself go because, you know, you're not going to make a winner sitting on the couch. And it, it's tough sometimes. But, um, you know, I don't know 
there's very, very few nights that I can say that I, once I get in the woods and turn that dog loose, that bam, boy, your attitude changes. I'm coon hunting. You know, it's everything's great. Well, you know, that's so. kind of like I had a different, a little bit different slant on the sport of coon hunting, but I would see you guys out there weekend after weekend, but I was behind the desk, you know, or dealing with, uh, you know, the cast and, and getting the hunt rolling and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, and I used to be at home, you know, I'd say, oh, man, I got a hunt coming up this weekend. I got to roll out on Thursday. Won't be back home till Sunday, man. You know, I, I really I don't feel up to it. I don't want to do it. Every single time I got out there and I got on the road and I pulled into a fairgrounds or a club ground somewhere and saw somebody, man, it, it was it was, you know, it was fun from that point. Uh, till Sunday, you know, when I had to drive sure. back. And I, I guess it's kind of that way. I remember that in Michigan, too. I had good coon hunting all around me. I used to carry a little overlay in my truck in a pouch behind a passenger seat that had all of my landowners and their phone numbers. And uh, I had th- over 30 that I could go to within a 10, 15-mile radius of the house. You know, and I, some of them wanted me to call them before I came. Some wanted me to come knock on the door, and others just said, just go whenever you want, you know. Right. But I would sit there, like you said, you know, I'd get in that easy chair, and I'd say, man, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, that no. that today, that phone just beat me down. <laughs> you know, I'm, go- I'm going to sit here, and then I'd think about that young dog out there in the pen. I'd say, no, it's not fair to him to leave him there. So I think that's a good lesson to anybody, especially anybody that wants to take it anywhere near the level that you've done, uh, accomplished, Jeff. You know, they're yes. going to have to put in the time, aren't they? you got to, absolutely got to put in the time. Yeah. Well, you've hunted for a lot of, well, for several people down through the yes. years. And uh, I, I'd ask you there beforehand to be thinking about a little bit about some of the individuals that you hunted for. Now, you said you hunted for some local people and all. Was uh, the Burgesses and Hardwood Henry, was that one of the first ones of your major owners? or? Uh, or yeah. Okay, let's let, I- let's hear about that. I can give you a real quick how, like I was telling you how it escalated. And really the first one that people, you will know, um, young listeners won't, but some of the older guys will know. The very first one that really contacted me about hunting, you know, paying me a little bit, sending me some hunts was Henry Hitt in Indiana. Um, oh, oh, yeah. No, Henry Cadillac, very well. Yeah, yeah Cadillac style. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry's quick stop. Um, he sent me to some, some pro hunts and things that, that was, that was where that kind of all started. Wasn't full time at all, but you know, I was hunting dogs for him and that kind of, that's where it really all started. And then, um, went to, I didn't really, I didn't hunt for Russ Beller, but I ended up getting a little dog and me and him owned her together. Um, everybody knows her now that's, that's ever looked back in PKC history, uh, Beller's Ann. Oh yeah. She won the nationals and things. And, um, so I had her for a while. Um, and then, so at the end of that kind of era, when that all, that's a long story and it's on its own. Can we stop real quick? And I want to tell you one little quick thing about Henry. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I, over in West Virginia, he was originally from Richwood, West Virginia. He had what he called the Cherry River Tree and Walkers. 
And Henry was one of these guys that came to the hunt back in the day when my buddy and I were riding in an old Plymouth Baccaruda, we call it, Barracuda, with the dogs under the glass hatch in the back and and sleeping in a uh, pup tent. (laughs) Henry would roll in the hut with the magnetic signs on the sides of a brand new pickup truck, Cherry River Tree and Walkers. He'd get out, he'd be feeding those dogs out of an Alpo can, you know, <laughs> and we're, ours is over there sc- uh, scarfing around in the dirt trying to find, find something to eat. But I remember Henry very, very well. And he, oh, yeah. he was a legend in West Virginia. Had a dog named Cherry River Banjo that placed fourth in the ACHA world hunt one year and uh just different ones but you just just bring back memories jeff i'll get off that but remember him very very well yeah yeah, it's um he was kind of he was always he always liked the flash like you just said Mm -hmm. i remember he when i was hunting uh, a couple of those dogs i just mentioned that he always showed up if when we met at a hunt or something he he's always dressed to the hilt and had a night always had that brand new pickup absolutely yeah. Super nice guy. Mr. He, Coon he treated Hunter. me great. Yes, he treated me awesome. <laughs> that's good. You know, that was like I said, that's really the first mm-hmm. big name that gave me a chance as far as, you know, he had seen where I was winning local. But you know, all that uh it all kind of escalated after after the end of when I stopped hunting Beller's Ann, um, sold my part out to, to Russ and things. Um so there was a uh where it really started was the where it grew into something really big was hardwood henry um <laughs> funny story how that uh, hardwood henry kind of started um a friend of mine in greensburg indiana named larry simpson had mm-hmm. a private dancer and uh, that was hardwood henry's mom and mm-hmm. he had bred her to hardwood patch and only one pup lived out of the litter so uh larry would always come up to my house bring his dad and on opening night of coon season and they'd come up and hunt a couple nights and they bring dancer. And I, I didn't even know he'd bred her to tell you the honest truth. He just shows up opening night of coon season. He's got dancer and he's got this nine month old pup. And I was kind of in the process of, um, like I said, I was hunting dogs for people and I was pretty busy with dogs and we went hunting and this nine month old pup. Just, he didn't do nothing. I mean, he didn't even go hunting. And uh, Larry's like, man, you know, Jeff, I, I'm not much of a pup man. I don't have the patience. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you half that pup um, if you'll hunt him. And I'm just like, you know, Larry, I'd love to, but, I, you know, I'm hunting for people. I'm I just, I'm not a pup man myself. I'm not uh, great with training baby, you know, young puppies. He's not doing anything. So um, I'm just not interested. So that was Hardwood Henry as a pup. Mm. Well, <laughs> so he sold him and a boy named Brad Fleetwood ended right. up getting him. Well, Brad Fleetwood, he was about 13 or 14 months old, if I remember correct, before he really started doing anything. And when once he flipped that switch, it was like he went from zero to 100 that quick, the dog did. And Brad was, he, you know, there again, he had seen, I didn't know Brad at all, but we saw each other a hunt and he came over and he started telling me about the dog. And I, he'd know, he knew I was good friends with Larry and he was telling me all about how good he was doing everything. Well, boy, he's just whipped through some UKC stuff. And long story short, I was kind of down. I, I don't remember what dogs and stuff. Um, we, me and him were talking on the phone and he, he said, uh, would you hunt Henry in some hunts for me? And I'm like, 
well, I don't know how good a dog you got, Brad. You know, I said, uh, I'd love, I'd go hunt with him and, and, and um, see what you got. And he brought him up to the house and we went pleasure hunting. And wow, I really like what I saw. I said, you just, you leave him here for a couple of weeks and, and we'll see what we got. And that was the start. He was just right at two years old and I kept him until he died at my house. Now, at didn't 50- Brad have a female named Hope? Yeah, that was she was off of Henry. Off of Henry. Brad and I hunted together one night, and I'm going to say down at Silver Lake or or somewhere down that way. I was trying to get the Kelly female that I had that was out of Silver Dollar Stone and Mill Creek. I remember Kelly, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get her uh, $100 one for the Super Stakes, and and Brad and I hunted that night. We almost got those dogs killed on the road. We had to mm. stop a, a car to do it. But anyway, everything reminds me of a story, Jeff. So <laughs> thanks right. for the interruption. But yeah, yeah. But go yeah. ahead. No, so he, so, you know, there again, he was two years old. And um, he uh, he stayed at my house pretty much. I'll kind of go through his history until he, he died at my house when he was 15 years old. So that was a. Mm. Uh, you know, I know you're going to ask me down the road and absolutely there people, I get this question. I've had it a thousand times. Um, I have had the privilege of hunting a lot of good dogs. Um, but my two favorites are absolutely number one would be hardwood Henry and number is number two is bad habit. Those are the, definitely the two at the top of my list that I've right. been the most winning with and I, that right. were, you know, the, the, probably the best coon dogs, but yeah, Henry was, you know, long story with him. I hunted for Brad. Um, for a while i was i was i was still doing working a job um at the time and but we were traveling around to a lot of pro hunts um he was he brad was a young young man and he had just got married and you mm-hmm. know that it was kind of he was having to dig to get money but he to, to send me up and down the road uh, but he did and um we started winning and henry got an unbelievable name and then the first year that he was qualified to go to the nationals. Brad owned him. I think it was about 99 mm-hmm. and, uh, we went and we got in the final four and we got second or third. I don't remember, but, um, we started, uh, really getting a name for the dog at that point. And the next year, um, same thing, got the, went to the nationals with him again, got in the final four again, so a little story about that. I think he's the only dog in history. I'm, you know, I might be wrong, but, um, three years in a row, we went to the nationals and all three years we made it to the final four. That is so, amazing. Uh, yeah. We never won it. We batted mm. second, third and fourth. Well, I've always out. said many times, and this is just my opinion and nothing more, but I always thought the nationals was the hardest hunt in the country to win because I, I, I think the quality of the dogs that were there, the qualification and process that they had to go through and all that to get there, I, I think uh, for those reasons, you know, I, I, I've always said that. Yeah, we've the, – the, you know, the, all my friends and people that have hunted for many, many years in competition, we all have – we we feel the same way as you that, mm-hmm. you know, every dog there has had to win to get there and absolutely one of the hardest. and. Yeah. It's been a good hunt for me. I have actually um, second, third, and fourth with Henry at the Nationals, and I actually won it with um, Wipeout Clayton. So I've batted for the whole cycle. I've had first, second, third, and fourth in it. <laughs> well, listen, before we leave Henry, uh, tell us a little bit about Henry, how how he operated and so forth for, for the people that have heard the name but never hunted with him. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was just, um, he was just a pleasure. I mean, he was a, he was a great strike dog, not what you see a lot of today. The, the typical leave you barking, babbling idiots. I'm sorry to say there's a lot of those nowadays, but he absolutely was not that. Um, he was, he was a very good honest strike dog though. If they left without yapping around, he was going to get a lot of first strikes, um, first or second strikes, big, huge hunting dog. Um, you know, it's kind of sounds like a stereotyping, but he was one of those big, huge hunting dogs by himself and had coons when he treated. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, um, he used his mouth accordingly on bad tracks. He just hit here and there as he was working them medium tracks. He'd bark a little more on a good track. He almost sound like he was treed when he was running him through there, but, mm-hmm. um, just absolutely was, um, I can't, you know, say this enough about how dogs win and, and what dogs win nowadays the biggest thing in my book that i have to have and that he had was he was deadly accurate when mm-hmm. you went to a tree if you didn't find a coon you were scratching your head walking away wondering you know where did i how did i miss it because that's how accurate he was and you know in my book that stills what wins you know when you oh, see yeah. coons and trees so that's that was an, in yeah. a nutshell with him um he was you know he's very very good around trees he was didn't have a rough hair on him um so yeah you know, he was just just an awesome dog. And actually. a beautiful hound, too. Yeah, big old pretty. Uh, he weighed 68 pounds in hunting shape, blanket back, big bone. Mm. Had a had an average mouth, um, but the thing about him was, is, you know, you'd hear him at 100, 200, 300 yards. You'd think, wow, he don't have that great a mouth. But when you're sitting in there three quarters of a mile or a mile, you could hear him the same. I mean, he just mm-hmm. it was one of the mouths that carried good. So, yeah. But yeah. good, great tree dog. Yeah, yeah, great tree dog. Yeah, one of the great ones for sure. And, of course, yeah, that's when I was. think people started, you know, well, you and Henry were kind of joined at the hip. And, you know, absolutely. you mentioned, mentioned Henry. It was you and the next breath. But, and that was, uh, uh, yeah, that was the big dog that really got me super going. And that's, I know you'd asked me earlier about the Burgesses, and I do want to mention them because they're the ones that gave me my first big opportunity in the coon hunting world as far as doing it for a living because you know i was hunting for brad and um you know the burgesses just broke on the scene they they had a dog called micro's mark and nobody mm-hmm. really knew him they had all these ads in the book and this and that well then all of a sudden i hear through the grapevine that they're looking for a full-time handler as as a job they're gonna they're gonna put them on our payroll 401k you know insurance all this stuff i'm like wow you know, this, this, that's for me. I, I want to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, I was hunting, <laughs> hunting Henry for Brad. So it was kind of, it was a hard thing, but I did go up and, um, John Burgess, um, was doing interviews just like a job. And I went in and I sat down in his office and he did an interview with me. And, um, there were some big names that, that got interviewed for that. And, um, I was the one that got hired. Fortunately, yeah. uh, I say fortunately, but man, it was, it was a hard, uh, it was a hard few months there at first because I, I did leave Henry. I mean, it, Brad owned Henry. So mm-hmm. I went to work for John and I'm not saying John didn't have some decent dogs, but it, it, they weren't Henry uh, <laughs> to say, you know, long yeah. story short. And yeah. we actually went to a pro hunt in Alabama. Me and John rode together and it wasn't too long after he hired me. And, um, Brad actually took Henry down to the pro hunt. Well, Brad hadn't, I'd had Henry, you know, for, mm-hmm. I think Henry was about five years old at that time. So, 
you know, Brad had hunted him a little bit after I went over to Burgess, you know, a few months there, but he went down there to the pro hunt and he didn't do any good. And uh, we didn't do any good on the way back. We passed each other. Brad calls me and we get this big conversation about, you know, Brad's like, Hey, I can't travel up and down the roads. I got a new wife. I'm getting ready to have a baby. Um, you know, I'm, I think I, and I can't, he said, I don't know who I would trust to hunt the dog. Like you did. He said, um, I'm thinking about selling him. Well, boom, light switch went off in my head. I'm like, well, make sure you let us know if you decide to sell him. He said, well, that's why I'm calling you. He said, I pretty much have decided I want to give you first chance. So that's, and I mentioned it to John and, you know, John's a thinker. He had to think a little bit. Um, and actually Brad had turned down just a few months before that. Mac McAllister called mm. <laughs> Brad and offered him 25,000, which is huge money back in those oh, days. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'll never forget sitting in Brad's living room and, and we made the decision. I mean, that's a lot of money for a young man like him just married and had a new house. Or, uh, he turned it down. I mean, just because, you know, I mean, Henry was such a good team and then all this went down. So, so it's kind of a funny story there. So John, finally, we got to talking about it and, um, he said, uh, how much, how much do you think I can buy him for? I said, I think he can buy him for 25,000. He's like, okay. And he said, uh, well, let me call Brad. And so he called Brad and had Brad come up to his house and he, he took him a little tour of his horse farm and all that. And they finally sat down and they, they, uh, started talking about Henry and, and, uh, John said, so he said, I, I heard you probably take 25,000 for him. He said, and Brad's like, well, I've thought about it, John. He said, and it's going to take 30,000 to buy the dog. And I guess John just, oh, I, I can't pay $30,000 for the dog. You know, um, I did, I, I, that's a lot of money. And they, long story short, they sat there and talked and whatever, and they left. Well, when they left, Brad calls me and tells me what happens. John calls me and tells me what happens. Well, I'm mad at both of them because I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> if you can, I told John, I said, if you could spend $25,000 on the dog, why can't you spend 30? Well, then I called Brad. I thought you'd take 25 for him. So I'm, I'm just disgusted. <laughs> Well, I go to bed and John knew that he never called me early because, I mean, I was hunting for a living. I hunted every night, um, pretty much six nights a week. Usually I'd take Sunday night off. I'll never forget the next morning. My phone rings at seven o'clock in the morning and it was John. I'm like, why is he calling me at seven o'clock in the morning? He, I answered. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm sleeping. What do you think I'm doing? Get your butt down here this afternoon. We're going to go get your dog. And uh, I said, do what? He said, well, I couldn't sleep all night. I'm sitting at the, at the kitchen table and John Jr. His son had come over before work and, and he, his wife was sitting there, um, with him and they asked what was wrong. He said, well, told him, told him the story about Henry and John Jr. Knew, um, all about Henry. He said, well, dad, if you want that dog, why don't, I mean, what's 30,000 if you're going to pay 25,000 and Sylvia, John's wife, same thing. Well, if you want that dog, why don't you buy it? So, okay, I'm going to buy it. So I went down there that afternoon. We ended up making the trip down to Brad's and, and, uh, I'll never forget. He handed him a check for $30,000. So <laughs> that's, so I, there was a few months there. I didn't have him. And then he came to my house and, um, you know, I hunted him until I, I know this is a very long story about Henry, but it, no, it's, no, like it's exactly said, the story. I want my listeners well, to hear. So the, so what happened then is me and John had, you know, we had a good run with him and everything. Um, got in the nationals again, many, many pro hunts, uh, can't got in the final the four, the UKC world. Hunt. Oh yeah. I, I, I was in, uh, I almost made it to the final four 
when Brad owned him in about 99 or 2000, like I said, I'm bad with dates. Um, actually I cost him from getting in the final four there. It was, it was, it was a rough deal. I'm just didn't call him, um, when I needed to be calling him. Then when John owned him, it was the next year, maybe we skipped the year. And then I got him in the final four of the UKC world hunt for them. Yes. That was a, that was an awesome cast. Oh Rock yeah. River Gap. yeah. Yeah. Rock river gap. One up Mike Parrish hunting him. Alan Snedeker owned him. Um, yeah, you had the, the cutter, uh, dog. cutter dog in that. Yeah, man, that was like a who's who in there. Of course, Gap well, was kind of the underdog there, but uh, it absolutely was. Yeah. I mean, he was. And well, you Mike had Paris, the 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 boy from Tennessee, his dog. That's uh, what I, the dog I can't remember, and he got in the final four two years. But what? Oh uh, man, his name's escaping me too right now. And, and we just was, had this discussion at the final <laughs> UKC World Hunt Finals this year in Peru. We had to go ask Gingrich. <laughs> what dog it was because we could not think of it as a dog. Oh, it's right on the end of my tongue. Uh, but it'll come it to like, me when we hang up. <laughs> oh, it was like four of the because some it was somebody came to me at the finals and said, "Man, you remember that final four you was in with Henry?" He said, "If people look back now, that was probably the four biggest stud dogs all, or you know, mm-hmm. good dogs that made stud dogs and were bred." All in the final cast of the UKC World. The Cup. owner's said, you know, name really was Bobby, was. but I can't yep. remember the. I know, I, right. gosh dang it! And it, <laughs> yeah. as soon as Alan said it down there, we remembered it. But oh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so we made a good run, and you know, John just uh, Henry was seven years old, and uh, John was we we made so you know we had a few years where we we did awesome, and and he he felt bad, but he was just. He was ready to get out of it. You know, we, we went hard, you know, for two oh, or three yeah, years there. For sure. So that was, that was a very, 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 uh, hard time in my life as far as for coon hunting. Cause I did not want to give up the best dog I'd ever laid to put a hand on, but you know, we retired, he retired him and he kept him at his house. And, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't have him for a couple of years there. And that's when, uh, well, my whole era with John Strickland started with bad habit, but that will go to that whenever you want to, but it, it, what happened, I want to finish up with Henry. What happened then was I hunted habit for a few years and we had unbelievable success with him, but, um, I was in a big added purse hunt in Cesar, Illinois, and I was hunting habit and he got killed on the road. So just to jump back to the, the Henry story, he got killed on the road. We all, we had, I had a handler spot for the handler shootout for the truck. And I'll, I, I never forget Strickland's like, okay, you got a spot. That was the last year it was called the handler shootout. Cause right. you know, back then you qualified and you could hunt any dog you wanted. And right. um, he said, I, I don't know what, what you're going to hunt. We really don't have anything. I said, well, I know what I want to hunt. And he said, well, what's that? I said, I'd like to hunt Henry. He said, what? He said, hell, how old is he now? And I said, he's 10. And, uh, I said, I don't have any idea if John's even hunting him or anything. He said, well, you hunt whatever you want. And, um, I said, okay. So I called John Bird and I told him what I want to do. And he laughed. He said, man, Jeff, he's big as a hog. He said, I haven't hunted him. He said, I don't even know if he'll trick coon. And I said, well, I said, you care if I come down? We'll take him a spin. He said, no, that's fine. And I'll never forget it. He weighed 68 pounds in hunting shape. I went up there and the dog weighed 108 pounds, <laughs> 108 pounds. <laughs> we turned him loose and he waddled out there. It looked like a dang hot dog dog. Just waddled out there. Struck a track, took it through there, and bam, treat it just like always. And uh, I mean, of course, he, he was way out of shape. And I yeah. said, Well, I got three months to get him in shape. 
I said, can I take him home and see what I can do? He said, absolutely. So, and the same thing, John Strickland's like, hey, whatever dog you hunt, if I don't own him, you, whoever, whoever's dog it is, you make a deal with them on the truck. He said, you know, that's, John's always been super fair about things. And mm. so I, I took the dog home, had three months. I put him on the starvation diet. Basically at first I, I fed him very little and roded him and hunted him some. And after about, it was about a month, I got, got the weight off of him. And then the next month I pounded him. I coon hunted him as hard as he's ever been coon hunted. After two months, I had him ready. He was back. He, he was operating and looked just like he did when he was five. So hmm. I was pretty excited. And, um, he was 10 years old. Long story short, I went down there and I won the truck with him when he was 10 years old. So <laughs> that's the. That's the Henry story. What a great story, a great hound, and uh, one that I'll certainly remember, uh, you know, having been in the thick of, the, of things back in that day. And uh, mm -hmm. that's a great story, Jeff. Well, let's go to what I put as number two on the list, and I'm thinking maybe that might be the way it is with you, too. And you talked about him there briefly, Bad Habit. Tell me his story. Absolutely. So when John Burgess retired Henry, me and John Strickland weren't, I mean, we had become, while I was hunting Henry probably the last year, um, so that was probably nine or 2001, two, somewhere around that, that era, um, me and John kind of got to know each other, Strickland, and um, weren't, I mean, we weren't great friends at all. We just barely knew each other. but. You know, he calls, he called me and we talked and he lived in Savannah, Georgia and he was starting to get it. He had a name for himself too, you know, and he's like, Hey, why don't you come down and go pleasure hunting? I mean, like I said, I didn't know him that well. I'm like, well, sure. Well, I took Henry down there. And, um, we pleasure hunted, um, got to know each other very, very well. So that leads me up when Burgess decided to retire Henry, that put me out of a job. Of course, um, I was working full time for him just hunting man, I'm talking to Strickland on the phone. I'm, I'm down. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, John. I just don't know what I'm going to do. This is, this has been an unbelievable job. Um, you know, I want to keep doing this. He said, you're going to come hunt for me is what Strickland said. And so I said, you serious? He said, absolutely. And, uh, so the, he had habit at the time. And so I took over the reins on habit and that's when he bought, um, hardwood Jenny off of Jerry mall. Right. Um, very well-known hound, same thing, final four of the UKC World Hunt. She made it to the final three of the Nationals. Um, you know, John bought her after she'd been in the finals of the UKC World Hunt, but John bought her, so he was running her, and I had habit, and, you know, we did a lot of winning with those two dogs, but so that's how me and me and John got together, and my goodness, habit was, he was a, and the only reason I put Henry above habit, and, and John, John's made the same statement, um, many a times about about habit was habit was unbelievable dog he was he was i mean you were going to get in if you went to a three night back then your big hunts were like three or four night big added purse hunts if you went you know you were getting in at least two nights i mean you just you were going to get in i mean he was that kind of dog but he was high maintenance boy you had to work i mean he was one of them ones you had to hunt you had to stay on him for certain bad traits he had i mean he chewed horrible mm -hmm. um yeah. he was bad about um he'd catch skunks i mean just just he was high maintenance but um as far as tree and coons and winning competition coon hunts 
you know, they yeah. didn't get much better than him. And, <laughs> and we were rolling. I mean, we had a little bad issue happen there. He got across the red river in Texas. I was down hunting with Reggie Ramsey. Um, Reggie and Winnell put me up down there for like five or six weeks. They're like, there ain't no season. I was down there for a hunt. And then there was, a, I, there was a little time in between. And then there was another big hunt down there. And they're like, there's no reason you to drive home. You stay down here. Her, um, Winnell's, uh, grandma had a house on the lake down there. Nobody ever stayed in it. They put me out in that house and me and Reggie were hunting every night. Well, Habit had swam the red river and we couldn't get him. He actually got on an island and. Hmm. I don't know how long he treed, but he absolutely treed his mouth out. And, um, man, it was, whew, did we have an issue? It was many, many weeks of lots of vet visits. We actually had a, a human ear, nose, and throat specialist doctor um, that we went to and, and discussed this issue. I mean, we couldn't hunt him, but we were winning the pro division. We were winning the open event. We mm. were leading all that. So yep. it, was, it was like we couldn't, it was hard to put him up. So we, you know, we wouldn't pleasure hunt him. And then I take him to a hunt and his mouth finally, it finally came back. But, um, that was a, whew, yeah, was I remember, a you know, I was out on the final four, the PKC world hunt, uh, habit was in the final cast. It was the year the Potoka, uh, Potoka Lake Boz dog won it, sure. but I figured, uh, habit would win that hunt. They got treed together and scored a coon in a hollow tree. Uh, then the dogs, you know, kind of kind of broke up there and Boz tree the coon and it was habits hunt to win and I was thinking that sucker's gonna get treed. I'm not but it was a terrible place we were hunting. It was like we were wading around in a chocolate milkshake up to our hips. It was nasty. I mean there was there was a couple of well the the guy from Texas, I can't remember his name right now, was in that cast and and Bentley from over in Kentucky. But anyway, it was a terrible, terrible night. But I did, you know, I put that one on my resume. I did get to hunt with bad habit. Sure. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah. He, he was, was uh, he was the thing. And then he kind of opened the door when they, when Cliff Day bred a female to him to this crossbreeding yeah. stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cliff's a very good friend of mine. He, Fly was her name, I believe. Um, good little blue tick female. Yep. Right. Yeah. Read yeah. her a couple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was some good stuff that came out of that for they, sure. Yes, sir. Yeah. Really was. Well, explain yeah. habit then about how he operated usually. Um, he was, <clears throat> um, you know, that, like I said, I said the same thing about Henry. It's, but, you know, when winners win and, you know, they do have a lot of the same traits and they were similar, but different. They end results were the same. Same thing. They were usually by themselves. They were deadly accurate. But habit was a um, habit didn't fool with as many bad tracks as Henry did. Henry Henry would cold trail tracks up and say, you know, with that, um, stay on the ground a little longer than a man likes at times. Habit didn't do that much. Habit was looking for a little better track. Not that he couldn't run a bad track, but he didn't mess with. Um, now he wasn't one of them like ones nowadays and i can't stand them um that have to fly through there and um you know see one climb up a tree two miles away before they'll tree one uh, have it one like that he could work some some rougher tracks but he was he looked for a little bit better tracks to tree and um had a out you know the, another thing that was better that he had that i like better than henry he had an outstanding mouth just just one of those that really stands out yeah. um 
how to how to locate that sounded like a Jake break on a semi. I mean, I'll <laughs> never forget with now Al Nunneman just brought this up. It was, it was that cast. And I can't remember what hunt it was in, but I, and I can't remember what Al was hunting, but <clears throat> I think if I'm not mistaken, it was the PKC world hunt. And, um, I'll never forget. We turned loose and we struck a red hot screaming track in a standing cornfield. Now it's ready to be picked. So you know how dry and, oh, yeah. and, uh, brown they are well when you walk through them you can't hear nothing because all that crackling going on there's four got four guys handling dogs a judge a guide all that work i'll never forget we strike this track and they're zinging this thing through the country and they're getting where it's hard to hear so we're like hey let's tighten up we're walking down this corn and i'll never forget there's no way anybody can hear nothing but man through all that noise i heard that oh that jake break through the country and i just i mean we didn't even stop walking i just said have it tree and they're like, everybody put the brakes on. Sure enough, they're sitting through their tree. I mean, I could just, you know, you could hear that locate <laughs> from so far away. Oh, but yeah. that was, he was just a little classier hound than Henry. He just did things, um, you know, he's just like unbelievable. Same chrome, thing, though. So to speak. A little more chrome. And yeah. he was the same thing, though, as Henry as far as strike. Absolute great strike dog in honest company. Um, you know, kept strike open. Awesome locate, great tree dog when he wasn't chewing. <laughs> yeah, but I remember when Ronnie hound. Smith was hunting him and trying to deal with that uh, chewing issue. You know? uh, yeah, it yeah. was. You had to stay on him at all times, but yeah, most of the time if you stayed on him, he was fine. But yeah, we were so there again. Going back to the story, we were rocking on, and I mean, we were we were winning. Um, it was the same year actually. Um, me. John was hunting Jenny. I was hunting Habit, and we were both in the top six of the PKC Nationals. So it was heads up, three cast, and I got beat right at the end of mine. Or me and John would have both in, been in the final three of the PKC Nationals. <laughs> that would have Nationals. been a fun one to watch. <laughs> right. It would have been awesome. But yeah, yeah it was a, it was a bad deal. Um, what I don't I don't I don't really I think it was my fault actually. I think I made a really bad call a tree call that cost me that cast. I remember RD trout was in that cast and, oh, and yeah. won that cast to get in the final three. Hmm. But, um, that was, and that was at the point where that was one of the first, Oh, he might've been the second or third hunt. We'd been to where habit got his mouth back after the, the I told mm -hmm. you about him losing it. So he was back to rolling. So we left the nationals. I don't think I came home, I went to Cesar, Illinois yeah. to the Ren Lake classic. Ren Lake classic. Yeah. And I, but I, we were on top of everything. We were, there was five pro hunts left and, um, you know, we were leading the pro division. We were like $150 away from breaking. Now this is in July or June. And I can't remember which that's when they had changed that nationals from March to like June or July. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, so it's very early in the, the competition year, you know, we're blowing the pro division away, $150 away from breaking the all-time, the year-long open event money record already in June or July. That's how close we are to all that with him. And I, I was winning about everything I went to. And I drew Jackie Coomer, and he he was guiding us. And um, we moved from one spot, went to the next, and we cut loose. And um, I can't remember who struck where, but I know Habit was left-handed here. Dogs were way right-handed here, standing cornfield in front of us. So we said, let's tighten up. Walked through that cornfield, down along the edge of that cornfield, got up on a hill. I never heard habit again. Um, this is way before Garmin's. We had to beat beeps, but um, hunt runs out. So I'm like, well, I pulled my little tracker out, 
I said, Habits through there. I said, man, he's a long way. I could barely get him. Jackie and whoever else was in the cast at ours are that way. We just took a left and walked out this lane. And it wasn't 150, 200 yards. We hit a blacktop road. And when we got to the black, just now I'm not talking a busy blacktop road. I'm talking about right. a one lane chisel, you know, like a, <laughs> just not busy at all. We had never seen a car go by all night. So when we got to that road, we took a left to go back to the trucks. And we got back and Jackie said, hey, you know, let's meet back here and we'll go back to the club. I said, okay. They went one way. I turned around, went the other way. And I, I go down. And just as I go by that lane that we had walked out, I, I, my headlights hit something on the road down there. And when I see, I said, well, that's a dog laying in the road. I'm like, oh, my God, somebody's dog's been hit. I mean, that's a, it did not cross my mind one ounce that it had been habit. I mean, mm. I'm like, man, somebody's dog's laying down. I pull my truck up. I'll never forget it. Pull my truck up where I just leaned out the my driver's window and looked down at this dog and it, bam, it hit me. It's habit. And mm. that is a hammer. I mean, just, he was laid out there on the road. Like he just, somebody laid him there, but he had blood running out his nose. He wasn't tore up bad. Um, mm. we never heard a car go by that. I mean, that, that's the crazy thing. And the only thing we could think is when we dropped down in that cornfield and walked through all that corn, you know, it's right. noisy that a car went by, but I just, I still to this day, cannot believe that somebody was going fast enough on that little old one lane road that they couldn't slow down enough to hit that, to not hit the dog or at least mm. stop. And, you know, you'd think you'd have heard him, heard him hit him or they would have been out, got out and you could yeah. heard him talking. We were right there. I mean, we were just a few hundred yards away, but yeah. So that was a, that was a very, well, very bad. Sent shockwaves through the coonhound world. I, oh. I remember that. That's unbelievable. How old was he at that time, Jeff? He, it's funny. I think his birthday was June 4th, if I'm not mistaken. It was somewhere around there. And it was like just a few days after his birthday that he had just turned six years old. Wow. So he still had two oh, or yeah. three good years. I mean, he was a very <laughs> healthy dog. and But, yeah, that phone call was not the one I wanted to make because oh, I'll I'm never sure. forget it. Well, how John, did uh, John take it? Yeah, that, it was, it's, I mean, it's kind of funny now, but, um, I always called him, you know, after the hunt and, uh, I'll never forget the answer. Well, did you win again? Uh, you know, and I'm like, uh, no. He said, what? You didn't? I said, no. And I said, uh, habit's dead. He's like, what? He got hit on the road. And, you know, he, John took a, I mean, a lot, it tore him up, but he's like, man, he said, things happen. He said, it's not your fault. I told him, you know, exactly what happened. He said, he said, well, you know, this is how quick John's wheels turn. I mean, he's always right on to the next. I mean, it, there's nothing you can do. He said, you know, he's and his, it sounds bad and we laugh about it now, but he's like, man, you know, he said, a dog dies, you buy another one. A man dies, you hire another one. He said, he said, load him up, bring him down here. He said, we'll bury him in the yard. He said, pick up Jenny. And there was a pro hunt the next week. He said, you just get Jenny and go to the pro hunt next week. I mean, you know, there's, there was nothing you could do. Well, yeah, I mean, that's was, true. I mean, there's, you know, you, you grieve, but you go ahead. Oh my God. You know? That was yeah. the worst drive in the world. I'll never forget. It was 95 degrees out. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there was a few guys helped me put him in a, we put him in a couple of garbage bags and I, I put ice with him, you know, bagged ice mm -hmm. to, to, mm -hmm. you know, the next, I left right away and got down there and we buried him in, in John's house down there, but that was, that was a rough time there. Ooh, that's oh a good yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, God only knows what he would have won. Mm, yeah. At only six years old, you know, uh, yeah. 
I've lost them young like that, and they weren't anywhere mm. near the caliber dog that he was, but it still hurts. You know, it's, it it's, does. takes the wind out of me for sure. sure. All right. Well, those aren't the only two that you've hunted that have done a, a good bit of winning. What, 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 how would you put next on the list? Oh, man. So that, <laughs> the next, there's a, there's two that I always put there right together. Um, one's out here in the kennel right now um that we retired him two years ago um cabo's his name he uh you know that's so it kind of filtered down there was another dog in between there that you know john was john was kind of i mean i don't remember i god we i'm trying to think we bought clayton right that was the next dog that john bought and I, I mean, I hate to leave him out. Who come up? About who came up with that mayhem name? That was Strickland's. Um, so he started naming everything Cabo of May. You know, Cabo of Mayhem. Um, all the dogs he put the mayhem after, yeah. just like his kennel name. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. that. So then, that was we kind of. I don't remember. We had a couple other dogs um, that we had bought after Habit got killed, but um, uh, Scott Engel. Um, Calvin Hayes owned Clayton as a young dog. Okay. And Calvin. Uh, listeners, and, uh, we have to go a long way back. He's a man <laughs> that owned uh, Hard Time Spec before Spec, Ed Bates absolutely. did. Yeah. Yes. So he is in Southern Ohio around Scott Engel. And I know, um, you know, uh, Calvin hunted, was, still hunted hard at the time. But he couldn't go the competition hunt, so him and Engel got together, and he asked Engel to take Clayton to the Super Stakes, and that was when the Super Stakes and the World Hunt were still together in Aurora. Right, right. those and glorious ten days that, when I worked for PKC, ten days yeah. in a row. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could do it nowadays. Oh no, me but, either. Uh, <laughs> but it was fun yeah. back back. It was then. fun. Yeah. But so Scott won the one year old Super Stakes with him. And we were looking, uh, we're looking hard. And we, Nick Hale had a dog that was in the final cast. Um, don't remember that dog's name. I actually took that dog home with me. Nicky's like, yep, take him home with you guys. He priced him to us. I don't remember the dog's name. Pretty nice dog, but it, it just, I don't, and I do not remember. Uh, I, I'm not bad mouthing the dog, but it was just something that I just, I didn't want. I just didn't like something about him or whatever. We didn't buy him. So, the the story got or the conversation. Well, what about the one, what about the one Engel won it with? Like I don't know if he can be bought or not. Well, sure enough, we called and he could be bought. So boom, I jump in the truck. I go to Southern Ohio. Um, I take Henry with. Me. Henry's old now. Um, Henry's in the kennel with me, and I hell he's probably thirteen, fourteen years old, 13, 12, 13 years old. I don't know. I took him down there just just to take him, you know, and mm-hmm. just maybe a little measuring stick, and um, so I went down there and I hunted with. Uh, Clayton two nights and man we you know really really liked him and so we ended up buying Clayton now Clayton was a there again um he was an awesome dog but he was dead silent um, a lot of people didn't realize that he was mm-hmm. he was he was silent I mean he's wipeout bred so that those two yeah that those do, no right for sure no big big old white dog um that's what we called him the big mm-hmm. white dog but he um man he moved around like a rocket and treated him coons so he you know, he puts you behind the eight ball every time you cut him loose because if somebody in the cast treat a coon, that means you were probably going to have to treat two to beat him. 
Right. But man, did we go on a roll with him too? And oh, he's yeah. the one I in two thousand and nine. I I won the national championship with him. So, right. Right. so him and Cabo. To get back to your to get back to your question, those two were right there on they're next on the list together. And I I I kind of always put Cabo above Clayton just because as far as coon dog wives because um, Cabo wasn't silent. They you know Cabo was a a lot better strike dog and um but man those two are right there together um yeah as of right now they're uh third and fourth right there together so yeah those two um what's the hound so you're going to be hunting tonight uh you said coming up in the you're going to do a double header ukc and, yeah uh, so that's that's why I, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because i said as of right now cabo and clayton are right there at third and fourth but I believe this one out in the kennel might uh, might overtake that. I really, really do. Um, so we go last, not this December, the December before. Um, you know, me and John kind of got hooked back up there. So there, there's a story there too that yeah. I, I don't want to pass up. Um, real quick. No, go uh, go to, for it. I hate I hate to leave him out because he's very um, a good buddy of mine. So John kind of it it dwindled down. Things in John's life changed. Man, he did a lot of winning with a lot of dogs. We, I mean, at one time, him and Rick Vogel, um, I was hunting Clayton was one of them, but all the final four of the pup shootout in Luba, Mississippi, the whole final four, John Strickland, Rick Vogel owned all four of them. So, I mean, that's, that was an unbelievable task that happened there too. So, but what I want to get to is where they, John had won. I mean, he had won about, I mean, world hunts national championships super stake everything he could win john owned the dogs or had done it himself so and he was at a point in his life where his his life changed um he went through a divorce um he had moved to kentucky had a, a, a started a, a new business things were different for him and he he finally got to the point where he said hey I, i'm just gonna back out for a little bit you know he just he quit um and that's when greg dunlap comes into play um, I did not want to not mention Craig cause my God. So him and John wasn't quite out all the way and we were looking for a dog cause John had sold Clayton. So, um, now Greg's up in up, New York, right? Or Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So that's when we come up with a dog, um, out of Ohio that we'd heard about rich Allen in Ohio handled this dog, um, called wild bill. And I'd heard a little bit about him because he was out of a, the Rose female um, that uh, Billy Cochran, Stephen Smith, and those boys down there um, owned her. That was the mama. So I kind of heard about him and he had made a little bit of ruckus in the PKC world hunting this and that. He was a five-year-old dog. Um, and, you know, Greg, Greg kind of was, had been, he had been in the sport for many, many years back in the day. Um, and he kind of got out for a while when he's back in and I kind of met him at the hunt. So he's like, man, I'd really, love to partner up with Strickland on a dog. I'd love to partner up with Strickland. I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, so I got them together and John's like at the time he wasn't quite all the way out, but he says, you find the dog. He said, you buy the dog. He said, and we'll split entries and I'll keep, take care of Jeff. Like I have been. He said, that's fine. Well, we came up with wild bill. Yeah. Another good dog, but, uh, you know, I won 30 or 40,000 on him, which um, back in the day was, that was pretty good, but he just was a hair off of being a great dog. So, um, but very good dog. And, um, what was he out of? Ah, uh, he was off of the old Davis's hammer dog. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dicky, the one Dicky Deaton hunted mm-hmm. for a while. He was mm-hmm. off a the hammer dog, and then the rose female. And right, rose you said was that. clover bread. Right. Clover bread. So, um, I did win. I, I mean, I won quite a bit with him. Just um, nothing. The biggest thing I won with him was I just looked it up yesterday. In 2012, I won the pro runoff with him. Mm-hmm. Um, out in Missouri, La Plata, Missouri. I won the pro runoff with him. We got on the cover of the magazine with him for that one. That was one, like I said, Greg. And then John got completely out. Um, so it was just me and Greg for several years um, right. with Wild Bill. And that's when Cabo came along. Yeah, he Cabo was out of the Cabo Wabo dog, right? Absolutely. That Terry Walker and yep. that uh, Ricky Hawkins hunted. And, uh, Ricky Hawkins and Terry Walker had. And then, um, you know, then he, uh, Cabo Wabo ended up, um, gosh, I can't think of his name, um, in Oklahoma, the insurance man um, that had him for several years there at the end, studded him out. Um, Star Cipher? Larry Clifton. Clifton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Larry. Yeah. So, Nick DiGiacomo's yeah, buddy out there. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I actually called Larry when I heard about uh, Shane Green found this young dog. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't really looking. I was hunting Wild Bill. I can't remember. Wild Bill was getting some age on him, though. And maybe we were looking a little bit. And Shane had told me about a young dog that a couple Indian boys had um, <laughs> down there. And out of Cabo Wabo, they said mm-hmm. it. They just, they run loose down there on the reservation or whatever, you know, and they just walk out there and if the dog's back in time, they'll grab them and take them to a hunt, you know, and I'll never forget Larry Clifton told me that story. The one brother showed up one night and had a dog and he says, where's your brother with little Cabo? Oh, he wasn't, we don't know where he was at. We went out to come to the hunt and Cabo was gone. I mean, they never chained him up, never put him in a kennel or anything. (laughs) And he said, so we couldn't, we couldn't bring him. So Shane went down hunting with him and boy, he, he told me about him. And, um, that's when, um, Oh, Johnny Moreland mm-hmm. and, um, Ryan Krausen got involved in that. I think, I think they are the ones that actually bought him and they're more female, um, guys, you know, and I was like, I begged them. I'm like, man, I really, we really, you know, we really like to get a young dog. And so long story short, again, we, um, they said, we'll sell him, but we're going to have to, we, you know, we're going to make a profit on him. Of course, you know, we don't, we like him too. So they priced him and, um, that's when, so Greg bought him and, you know, that's, how, that's where Cabo come along and we ended up, you know, hunting yeah. him. He was very young. And in fact, Shane Green, he wasn't two years old yet. He was, um, less than two years old. We told Shane just to keep him. It was a couple months before the PKC world hunt. And we said, Hey, you just hunt him along here and come to the PKC world hunt. We'll pay your way. And. And hunt him in the world hunt. Well, he actually got him in the top 16 of the PKC world hunt that year. Well, I remember Shane winning the AKC world hunt when I was there hunting that female for for Reggie. Uh, right. Uh, can't remember her name. She had a male name. Oh, man. I can't remember. I know her as well. Something like Rowdy Same. or something like that. I don't, I can't remember, but uh, yeah. Shane, I haven't seen Shane around. Uh, we, yeah. we, te- we text once in a while and talk yeah. once in a while. Oh, He's good. a... He's busy racing his family. The boy's a big baseball, big baseball family. So I got you. I got doing you. Doing a lot of fishing. And uh, yeah, oh, the boys yeah. are, they yeah. keep him busy. Well, sure. you bring up so many names, Jeff, that, that, you know, spark mm. memories for me. And, uh, it's one the, the, the thing about my career, you know, was being able to meet so many guys and, 
and seeing so many good dogs down through the years. Well, well that's great. Well, what are you calling this dog you're hunting right now? So, yeah, that I was going to say this. I kind of got off that subject. Okay, you go. go you just sure pick it up wherever it. you want. You pick yeah. that lose up wherever you want it and so, take yeah, it on out of here. I want, yeah, I wanted to go back to, and make sure I mentioned Greg and all the things he's done for me because, I mean, me and Greg still talk basically every single day. Um, yeah. very good friend of mine. We, we still, we go on snow goose hunts and, and, uh, all kinds of things. And he still mm. us a little bit. Um, but yeah, Greg was awesome. He, um, he stepped in when, when John got out for a while. So then, so then Greg started, like I said, Cabo got a little bit old. So, um, about 10 years old, we, we retired him pretty much Cabo and, and John, that's John was back. So we kind of, we, um, messed around there and he, um, he got a little female, he bought a few dogs here and there and he had a little female, uh, first and 10 he bought. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was the first one I hunted again for John, um, brought her up, hunted her. And so we decided to sell her and we were looking. So it was a year ago, December. So it wasn't this past December. It was a year before, um, Josh Watson, good buddy, of mine in Georgia, Stephen Smith, um, they they told me about a little dog that Mike Gilbert, which is a very good friend oh, yeah. of mine in southern southern Indiana, but one of the best pup men in the world, yep. bar none. It won, won two or three or four super stakes himself with his own dogs, trained many of them that other people have bought, and won stuff with um super super dog man. And we're we've been great friends for many many years too. But they told me about this young dog. And Josh is like, man, we go up there and and uh, and hunt with this dog. And, uh, he said nine months old, this dude was, looked like a a seasoned dog. I'm like, whatever. And he says, I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) And actually, and I, I hadn't paid no attention. Actually, Mike put him in the Shelburne, Indiana pro hunt when he was 10 months old and got second or third at 10 months old with this dog. I'm like, really? So I started, so I called Mike, you know, and actually it was a friend of, um, friend of Josh's that Josh was hunting hunted with a lot Shane um and that that actually had first chance um to buy the dog and so Shane Stevenson's his name and I'm like Shane we really want we really need a dog I mean we were looking hard I'd went and tried several and um he Shane had first chance that this dog's name is Hobo and I'm like you know, I, I'd really like to go look at this dog. And he said, well, he said, let me think about it. Cause he didn't need a dog at the time. They had plenty of dogs and they were partnered up with Billy Cochran and them. And so, um, long story short, a couple of days later, he said, I told Mike to let you guys come look at him, but if you guys don't buy him to not sell him because I'm still interested in him, but he said, I'll let you guys go look at him. If you want him, you can buy him. I called Strickland dog was 16 months old. And, um, so Strickland's like, all right, set it up. So I set it up. John ended up meeting me at a, down at Mike Gilbert's house. And I had another friend, Derek Brewer from Terre Haute there. He brought his little female down. And we went on a little little coon hunt. And uh, he put on a pretty good show that night. And um, I'll never forget, he got through the country on the and um, was treed about a mile. And that was one of the. We, he'd already treed a coon. We cut him off that tree, and, and then we walked back to the truck, and you could hear him. He was setting just a little over a mile, and you could hear him great. And um, I'm like, well, that that's, you know, you can hear him good, and he had looked really good. And so I jumped in the truck with John. Long story short, we're going to drive around to get him. And 
And John's like, I'm like, well, maybe we'll go. We had actually been hunting state ground. It's horrible. That state ground down there gets hunted to death. You know, oh, yeah. and I'm like, maybe Michael take us some good hunting now. And John looked over at me and he said, why? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, why don't we just buy the dog? And he said, what else you want to see? I'm like, well, I'm good with that, but you're the man <laughs> sitting there with all that money you're getting ready to hand over. I said, I thought you might want to see more. He said, I've seen all I want to see. And he said, I said, that's fine. So we pulled around there. I jumped out of the truck and, and uh, me and Mike and Derek walking the dog. And Mike looked around. He said, where's John? I said, he said, he's seen enough. He's getting your money ready. He laughed. He said, okay. So went around there and Hobo had another coon. We walked back the truck, paid him for him. But so, uh, long and story he's, short. He's though, how old now? So that's what I was going to tell you. But oh, yeah. Last year, he was 16 months old then. And before he turned two years old, I won almost $40,000 and seven UKC cast wins with him last year. Um, before he turned two, right as he, as he turned two. So he's just two years old now. He'll be three this summer, and um, but yeah, he's 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 actually if everything goes right and if he does what I think he's going to do, he he'll move up on that list for sure. Then he'll probably knock Cabo and Clayton out of there because I love him to death. I mean, I've been I've been rocking him here the last few weeks, getting ready to to fire back up since I got my back fixed. So hopefully you'll be hearing more about him. Is he out of Mike Stud Dog? He's out of all Mike stuff, him and yeah. him and Cliver stuff. Yeah. He's he's out of his old dog, which actually Josh Michaelis, he's not an old dog. His daddy's Josie Wales. Yep. And um which actually now um Jeremy Michaelis bought and yeah, he's running him that. in some hunts mm-hmm. now. And um but he's got some several pups on the ground, not just not just Hobo that's doing yeah. doing really good. Ryan Krausen's something, a young female. Uh, I believe she's a one year old. Um that he's really liking out of old uh Josie, but Josie goes so so that breeding, Josie goes back to like um hard time Jeb, hard time mm-hmm. Jeb, like dirty Harry. Oh yeah. This is I'm I'm not sure I'm getting them all in the right order, yeah. but long story short, on that top side, those those are all Mike's dogs that he had, and then mm-hmm. they go back to Big D. So Big D's right. like third or fourth yeah. generation yeah. back. So then you go on the bottom side and it's a female that Mike owned and Chuck named Casey. Mm-hmm. So Casey goes back to judge dread stuff on her top side and her bottom mm-hmm. side is all beller breeding. So, well, I know my friend Randy Smith there in Pennsylvania bred a couple females, you know, back to, to, uh, Mike and Chuck's dogs that well, what's the one dog that, uh, um, the other stud dog they had there had Josie and the, I can't remember the other dog. Jeb. Look Jeb. Or, Jeb. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard time Jeb. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, but so, those pups are pretty young, so I I don't know yet what they're I, doing. Yeah, I remember that he um that he bred Randy bred a a, a female or two to mm-hmm. I can't well, I guess it was I don't know if it was Josie or Jeb. Well, he bred one to each. Is what he okay. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I guess number. Well, one of the the question I think you've already answered, uh, we probably know, but are you putting Henry as your all-time favorite hound? Yeah, I really have to. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I Stephen Smith and Josh and them guys are they didn't get to hunt. Um, they're very good friends of mine. We talk every day, so they they were absolute big habit fans. They didn't right. get to hunt with Henry much. He was already mm-hmm. older. So they kind of laugh at me, you know, they, they think habit should be my number one, but 
you know, it, it's such a, they were both great dogs, but I have to, I have, I just hunted Henry so much longer. He was in my life so long and just, just, he was the, and the, probably the only thing that separates the two was that, like I said, habit was a little more high maintenance. Henry was no maintenance. I mean, you just basically, you just <laughs> coon hunted him. You didn't have to do nothing to him, you know? Yeah. So that, that's the two things that separated the, or that's the thing that separated those. But yeah, I got to put, I got to put old Henry as my favorite. Well, you know, as I think about dogs and you think about the complete package and all, and he was just the classic Walker dog. When you look mm-hmm. at him, you look at the pictures of him and then you then put the coon dog without that, you know? Uh, yeah. I yeah, think I want, he would go to the top of a lot of people's lists. I'm, I'm yes, sure. Yes. I, I just can't imagine what, what, and we talk about this all the time, um, what Henry or habit, what they would do nowadays with these $6,500 entry, $5,000 mm-hmm. entry for it's, I, it'd be, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not bragging on them. I didn't even own either one of them. I'm just saying that's, they were so good that it would, I really firmly believe that they would, it would be astronomical what those dogs could win nowadays if they were in with yeah. these. Um, I mean, look, look, look what Dustin's done. We, I mean, he's, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he's hunting great <laughs> dogs, you know, and he look, look at the numbers he's putting up. And I, I firmly believe those two dogs would have put uh-huh. numbers up like that too. I mean, just, I mean, I, and we talk about it now too, that, um, there's there's no doubt there's going to be dogs with these numbers that you can hunt for now that's going to win a half a million dollars oh yeah or more. well for sure yeah and it, it's a, a definitely a different ball game you know i back at the time i mentioned that kelly female i had you know that was the year that she uh that molly won the national race just beat out stone by few dollars and then stone yeah. the world hunt and then they bred them and that's what you know why i sure. decided to get a puppy out of him but molly at that time was the all-time money leader and she had around a hundred grand you know mm-hmm. and that was astronomical you know to win a hundred oh, absolutely you know, of course old cracker uh, was in the you know for for years there but uh and but look at it now i mean it, it is truly amazing well speaking of that do you have any idea what your lifetime earnings are uh, yeah it's um got it you know that and i was i wanted to get to that too it's it's crazy and i'm not saying it's maybe not you great. don't want to disclose uh, J- no no Jeff, no no yeah. i'm good okay. no 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 i'm i'm great i don't know i don't remember the exact number because it's so volatile right now it's 300 and some thousand dollars and it it, it's kind of I want I did want to touch on that because I'll never forget I sat in second place on the all-time money winning race for many years behind Ronnie Bone and um, I'll never forget I said I'm never going to catch Ronnie I mean he was hunting you know at the time and still hunting at the time and I'm like I'm never going to catch you I'm never going to catch you because there wasn't you know the only two things there was the nationals and the world hunts the only thing that paid you know a, a lot of money at one time and um, so I thought, man, I'm going to have to win one of those or, you know, other than that, there's no way I'm going to, uh, I'm looking, I was kind of looking real quick at that. Oh, that's okay. So sure. I, I'm at 315,000 right now hmm. and hmm. Um, I'm in six, sixth place all time, but I said at second place, that's what's funny. You know, Ronnie's in ninth place now. And I thought nobody'd ever catch Ronnie. It's like nobody, you know, he was still hunting and I was trying to catch him. And it was, I thought, there's no way. 
you know, Ronnie had $277,000. I'm like, ah, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to catch him. And I'm like, you know, this and that. And now look, I, I, you know, I've passed him by $40,000 or more and I'm sixth place now though. That's what's crazy. It's yeah. the money is, yeah. I'm not saying that the lists aren't, aren't great. They're great to look at and there's something to be everybody to be proud of that's on the list, but it doesn't, they don't mean near as much as they used to, because I mean, I mean, let's look, right. you know, that's well, like a platinum champion and a dog. I mean, you can go make a platinum champion any weekend now, just about. There's a hunt somewhere it, that, that you're true? probably going to win yeah. 20000 That's for sure. And it used to be they pounded them out, you know, at a, at a, at a open event, 15 and, and 20 or yes. $30 open events at a time, you know. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for my, amazing. It's well, Jeff. Amazing. Uh, what about your future? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna um, make a hard run at it, or are you? Yeah, you that's. Yeah. I kind of it's kind of funny with that, that when we bought Hobo. Um, I'm 59 now, so I told you, you know, everybody kind of knows, or at least all my good buddies and uh, all the guys that go to these hunts a lot. They know I'm more of a. I, I, once I get on a horse, I ride it. I don't I don't jump around to a bunch of different dogs, and I, I like I like a, a winner. So I don't care about a bunch of young dogs, this or that. I mean, the one I'm hunting now is young. He's just two, but, but I'm not going to jump around. I, I like him as long as everything keeps going the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. when we bought him, I told, I told John, I said, you, I said, you do realize this might be my last one. If he, if he's as good as I think he is and, and, and he, and everything goes good with his health and with me, I said, you know, I'm thinking I'll be 65 and this dog will be, um, you know, that's another, he'll be eight or nine. So, uh, you know, I don't know the way, the way I feel now that they got my back fixed. I, I don't think 65 is a problem. Um, boy, I, <laughs> well, I'd like to last, have 10 back. I'm 75 ooh, and you know, if yeah. I could get back to 65, man, I'd be feeling great. I'd I'm be, telling I, you, I, I'd be out there on the weekends. Now, last November when me and Hobo got in, in Quapaw, Oklahoma, Michael Ward, hmm. Um, Marshall Gilmore, mm-hmm. Dustin Weed were the other three in. It was a big, uh, <laughs> it was a 65 big, big hunt. And so that was all three of the Heather Island dogs. Yep. And we met in a parking lot and I was, I'm telling you, Steve Fielder, I was crippled. I mean, I, my back was so bad. I, and that's when I knew I had, I mean, and I, Dustin was, and I, I wasn't mad at Dustin at all. Um, you know, Ward, Marshall, both, Hey, I'll, I'll split, I'll split. I'm like, good. Ward or weed sitting in the truck. He said, Jeff, I can't split. I said, Why? He said, Man, if I win this, this will put this dog as the all time money winning hound. <laughs> I'll never forget. I looked at him. I said, Dustin, your dog's four years old. Do you have to do it tonight? <laughs> and he just laughed at me and he says, Man, I won't be able to sleep. If I, well, I'll go back to the motel, I'll, I won't sleep knowing that I could have hunted off and broke that record. He said, Man, we got to hunt. I said, I, I said, I understand. I'm not mad. I said, but you're, y'all going to be mad at me when this is over. Cause I said, I'm telling you, my back is so bad. I'm slow and I got to bend over and stretch my back every hundred yards. I mean, it was bad, mm-hmm. but, uh, we went out and hunted that off and, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget Tyler Compton and, um, Lane Denny were guiding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I actually ended up winning that cast hobo. You know, he looked awesome. We had some like I said, we had Z, um, mm-hmm. Ward was hunting a little female, Sleazy, and then Marshall was hunting old rock. So 
you know, we had some competition and this little dog had just turned two. He, I won that and he looked really good, but I'll never forget when I'm, I'm knelt down there thinking this is going to be a long walk back to the truck and my, and hobo's treat again. And Tyler Compton bent down and grabbed my lead strap and I spun around like I didn't know who it was. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to go get your dog for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you don't know how good that made me feel, but I I didn't know how much longer I was going to be able to do it. I I really did. At that time, I'm like, I got to do something, but man, this, this surgery, it has, it's brought new life. I mean, honestly, I I can't wait till this Friday night to get Uh, back out there. That's great, Jeff. You know, I think I realized that my competition hunting days were pretty much over. I was on a cast down here with the, uh, James Wright, who hunts, uh, for Ike. Uh, sure. And, uh, the last tree that cruise dog of mine was sitting in their tree, the hunt was over. And he said, Give me your leash. And I said, What? And he <laughs> said, Go on, Dad, just follow this path back to the truck. I'll get your dog. <laughs> and when the guys start offering to, to, get your dog off that last tree for you. You know, that's a pretty good sign that you maybe need, yeah, to, that's... need to get. But, no, I'm glad you've got a new lease on life, uh, Jeff. Uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, uh, you got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. And, and I'd say you're going to get uh, break some hearts uh, this year. And I certainly wish you the best. Have we not well, covered something that you really wanted to cover in this, in this <sighs> session, uh, today? We've, we've been at you know, it an hour and 37 minutes, I think. And, yeah. uh, it's been great. A- absolutely. Yeah. And I'm you know, sure. I, yeah, go ahead. There's, there's so many things, but I know, um, you know, you sent me a little list about things we might talk about. One of them was, was, you know, the, the dogs I've hunted through the years and, you know, looking back, it's, it's unbelievable, but some of the dogs that now some of them might not have stayed here a long time. Maybe I just hunted them for a little bit in between stuff, but, you know, mentioned some of those, like, you know, I hunted Kramer's lace female. She won a truck, mm. um, hunted her for him for a little bit. Oh my goodness. I hunted, uh, I got to hunt Mr. Clean for, you know, Brian Witted. Yeah. Um, I hunted him for a few, big one. few, yeah, a few months. Um, but you know, big, I, I, I hadn't had him about a month and he was qualified for the AKC nationals. That's when, um, you were running AKC at that time. If you remember, right. Oh yeah. 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 I, so I went down to Greensburg, Indiana and I had right. won the AKC nationals with clean that night. Um, so you know, there's just so many dogs. Hardwood Jenny, I handled her for John. You know, um, mm-hmm. I hunted with Jenny. Uh, uh, you bet. No, the the Jenny female I hunted with was the one that Jerry sold to. Uh, That's her. Yeah, yeah, that was her. Yeah, but there's just you know a big country. You know, he's all he's, right. Hunted with him <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, he uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, John there, I I didn't hunt, handle him much, but um, oh, there was a few big hunts coming up last year, maybe the year before last or whatever. Right when he was um, doing, he was, he'd won so much with John. And so John said, yeah, take him up there and hunt him a little bit and take him to a few of those hunts. So I, you know, I got to, I hunted him. Ah, my goodness. I mean, there's just so many dogs, the crazy female of Mm. uh, Billy Cochran and Stephen Smith done so much winning with, um, you know, I hunted her for a little bit for them. And I, I mean, I probably, there's probably 10 or 15 that I've hunted that are well known that I, I probably forget. I just, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to, to hunt a, 
so many good dogs. It's it's unbelievable. I, you know, I look on that all-time money winning list and it's I've either hunted or hunted with about everything on that list. I, that's how fortunate I've been to, you know, in in this sport. It's it's unbelievable. Well, without giving away any of the trade secrets or anything like that, there's a, as I said, there's a lot of aspiring uh, Jeff's out there in this listening audience, you know, guys that want to be big winners. I, I have a, a friend over in Virginia, uh, Keston, uh, 4C. He's, he's a young hunter at 27 years old, you know, and he said, Steve, I know it's going to take me a long time, but I want to be a big winner in this sport. I don't want to win the small ones. I want to win the big ones. I said, well, buddy, you got, got your work cut out for you. But wh- what would you say, Jeff, to a young man that's uh, aspiring to go out and, and win in the competition hunts? Could you give him a little bit of advice? Yeah, there's, there's, there's actually a few things that I would, that I tell, and I still, I tell people all the time, whether they're young or old, because some of these older people, I mean, not old people, but people that they just don't realize it. But, um, so a couple things would be, one thing is don't ever stop learning. I mean, you know, listen to everybody. Um, I'm not saying everybody's right, but don't be afraid to learn because like I said, I've done this since I was 10 years old and I still learn things today. And, you know, I'm like, wow, I never knew that. Or, you know, just little training tips or things about your dog. But people are probably going to, I mean, most people laugh, but you would not believe the phone calls I get because I'm kind of known as the veterinarian at the Mm -hmm. hunt. Well, somebody told me to contact you about thyroid dog. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. I just, through the years, I've got a very, my, my veterinary now is 77 years old. We've been friends for you know, 30 years, we play golf together. We're very good buddies. He's a good, he's a very good vet, but he's worked with me hand in hand for years. So he's taught me a lot. I, I mean, I carry so many different medications and things that, because that's, that's big when you're on the road. I, I mean, you don't, you don't always, can't always get in to see a vet or Mm -hmm. you don't need to see a vet. You just need certain things. But so my thing to, to people, young, old, whatever, um, is (laughs) keep your dog healthy. I mean, Mm -hmm. That's, uh, I, I, it just, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when I see people on Facebook or pro hound or whatever. Oh, my dog's doing this, 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 what should I do? I'm like, take it to the vet. Why are you asking somebody on Facebook? You know, that's what the veterinarian's with the school for eight years for, you know? And then it's like, I, I, and I, I do know quite a bit, but I, you know, I still call, I call my vet a lot about certain things and I, I maybe I might be overboard about it, but I don't second guess because I, I, if I'm not sure what's going on, mine mm-hmm. goes to the vet. And it's, um, I had an 85 year old man tell me one time when I was 17 years old, 16, 17, whatever I was 18. Um, and it, it stuck with me to, to this day. And I still tell people this, if you've got a good dog that does what it does the same way, most of the time, they'll all have bad nights, but if all of a sudden they change their habit and they start doing something completely different, 99% of the time, it's going to be a health issue because they can't tell you. Mm-hmm. So, and it's still to this day yeah. rings true with me. I mean, it's like I, a dog starts doing something that they usually don't do, not looking good, not looking good for, you know, three or four or five days. And then boom, that, that it'll, that bell will go off on my head, man, there's probably something wrong with this dog. Sure enough. Right. Cabo was the last one it happened to. And I, it, 
it, I was hard headed about it. And this boom, it finally clicked. Sure enough, took him in. He had a prostate infection. I mean, that's something you don't see. You're mm-hmm. not going to see it, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it, it definitely affects um, John just went through this with Apollo. We just got Apollo healed up from a, from a bad prostate infection, things like that. You, you're not going to see it. It's, you know, so that's the thing you, you got to look for things like that. Right. Nutrition with your dog too. That's, that's another thing. So, you know, keep your eyes and ears open when you're around good handlers, dog men, always, you know, for people that's trying to learn and, you know, pay attention to that stuff, read the rule book, um, keep your dog healthy and good nutrition. You know, I'm not going to get into that other than I do want to make a shout out to native dog food is I've been with them since 2009. Probably right. the, in, in my book, it's the best feed on the market. You know, you know, you get that argument every day on Facebook too. So, but, um, I can't say enough about native dog food. So, you know, keep your dog on a, on a very good dog food and keep them healthy. Any other sponsors you have you want to shout out to, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. That really, I only got two nowadays that, that, that are deep into my heart that I, that, you know, native dog foods want them and have a cunt supply. Those guys are awesome. They, uh, they take care of me in every way, shape or form. They're, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about them. If I need something, it's here immediately, if not sooner. And um, customer service is, is uh, um, you know, number one. And they, it's not just for me. They take care of everybody. Um, Stephen Smith, Ryan Eady, um, Havoc Hunt Supply. Those guys, they're awesome. And like I said, the native dog food, which is made by Kent. Um, those are the two things that absolutely want. Big shout out to those both. So I appreciate you letting me tell. Well, there you go. We want to spread the the wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, it's been absolutely awesome to have you on. I think our listeners will agree. And and I look for this this show to be one of my top uh, uh, gainers as far as downloads. That's what we look at in this podcasting world. But to have you come and and spend this time with me and and just to visit with you is awesome. I always enjoyed that uh, few minutes we would have at the hunts and all. Every once in a while, I'd get you and Strickland together, and that would always be a trip. And, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, yeah, well, hey, I'm go ahead. You don't know how much I appreciate you putting me on here. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you sit back and look at all the – the things that's happened in this and you don't you don't realize you know hey wow i'm almost 60 years old and there's a i have had a you know a, a lot of a lot of great moments in this sport that that you let me talk about and um yeah i've been blessed in this sport i mean you know it's you know a lot of people don't even know what coon hunting is it's amazing still to this day you know it's such a tight-knit um thing you know but um, I've worked hard at it for many, many years. It's still, you know, still in my, still in my blood. I still want to win. And I appreciate you letting me come on here and, and tell everybody what's happened. Well, Jeff, it, it's an amazing story. It's an encouraging story to anyone out there that aspires to, to make a life of coon hunting, which you, you're one of the very few people who's been able to do that for a living and do it very, very well. And, and we certainly wish you the very best. Well, I appreciate it. And just, yeah, I definitely want to make it take a, uh, I know we talked about, about my wife a little bit earlier, what, what she's going through now, but you know, we've, uh, we've been married for six years now and, you know, I hear stories about, Oh, I got to ask my wife if I can go to that hunter. I got to ask my wife if I go to go coon hunting. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. You've never seen a bigger dog lover 
and uh, <laughs> a more of a supporter than my wife. I mean, it, she's one that if I'm if I if I don't go hunting, aren't you, don't don't you think you need to go tonight? You know, you got a hunt coming up. Um, <laughs> she's never uh, ever ever kept me from doing anything in a sport. She's a huge backer of mine, and and I thank her very much well. for that. And she's a She's an awesome lady. And she is a, a tremendous lady to meet, and uh, what a great uh, personality she is. So shout out to Gwen and hope that uh, all this uh, a little speed bump in life uh, passes you by quickly, and uh, we look forward to seeing her as well at, at an upcoming hunt. Well, Jeff, we're going to wind this one up for today. It's been uh, totally awesome to talk to you, uh, and and I'm sure our listeners are going to especially enjoy uh, all the history that, that they've heard here today. So we'll wish you the best, buddy, and we'll look for you down the road. Okay, Steve. I, like I said, I want to thank you once again um, for bringing me on, and I appreciate everything. And um, you guys have a great day down there in Florida. We'll do that, and as I always say at the end of each of these podcasts, if somebody asks you where's Fielder, just tell them he's gone to the dogs. <laughs> well, how are you doing, Fred? Getting along, getting along, getting older, too. <laughs> yeah, we're all doing that for sure. Well, hey, what are you doing there, getting ready to go coon hunting? Yeah, Patty's coming down. We're going to give it a try. It's supposed to start raining for uh, tonight and tomorrow, and real heavy tomorrow. So I figure I'll get in some time tonight, anyhow. Well, you're a, you're a fortunate man to have somebody to hunt with and enjoy hunting well, that, with you. And that's uh, what I I told you when you called. I said I'm going to give you something to talk about. Okay. The most important thing about coon hunting. Is besides a good dog, is someone to hunt with that doesn't like you do, not the way they do. Uh, you know, partner that's help. That's as hard to get as a top coon dog, far as I'm concerned. Well, I think uh, you're right there for sure. It it's hard to you know somebody's going to put up with your ways and so forth. But I've been lucky through the years. I've always had somebody call me to go hunting. Uh, they uh, never know shortage urine. I've had some good ones. I've had some real yo-yos and uh, some <laughs> you have to be there to see it. But uh, the three girls that have been hunting with me the last, say, six, seven months, Patty Busy, she's been in the game for a long time. She's got black and tans and blue ticks. Um, and then there's a girl. I met her by accident. Uh, I ride out this back road where I coon hunt, where I used to live about 10 miles from where I live now. I used to see this girl sitting in a field quite a bit, right at, near about this time of evening uh, toward dark. I wondered, what was she doing? Finally, one day she was near the road, and I said, what are you doing out there every evening? She said, I like to come and watch a deer. I said, nice. there ain't. There ain't that many deer right here. They're over in the next place. She says, you're Moran, ain't you? I said, yep. She said, I know you. You coon hunt all the time. I says, yes, I do. And um, she says, uh, I know you when I worked at the Humane Society. You used to bring dogs over there. I says, yeah, I used to give them quite a few. 
And uh, she said, I'd like to go coon hunting with you sometime. I says, I go every night. I said, do you know where I live? She says, yes, I do. I said, be there about 10 minutes before dark, and I shall take you tonight. She said, I'll be there. Well, I figured a lot of people tell me they're going to be there, and they never show or anything. She comes about 10 minutes before dark, and she got on a pair of shorts. I says, what are you going to do with them things? She said, go coon hunt with you. I said, you better go home, get a pair of long pants, because them <laughs> things there, you'll be crying in 10 minutes where I'm going to take you. I said, there's briars there and uh, other brush, and you're going to fill it on them legs without no covering on. So she went home. She only lived about a mile away. She came back with a pair of uh, jeans on. I give her an extra light and told her what to expect and so forth. We went near uh, its uh, old army Nike site. Uh, the watchman there gave me a key to the gate and everything. I got it more or less to myself. And uh, there's a lot of coon there, but it's rough. It's thick as heck and a lot of deer in there and everything. On the way, I purposely took a couple side roads just to show her what deer really are like if you know where to go. I, I showed her about 30 deer. She says, I saw more deer in a half hour with you than I did in five days down at that field where you see that. <laughs> did you tell uh, her you hunt red bones and so you see a lot of deer? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, she's hooked on red dogs, at oh, least at the okay. present time. But she didn't know one breed from another. I even took her to a night hunt. Uh, I think I took her to two. And she, well, at first she was, uh, excuse the expression, but a real dummy, but she caught on a lot. And she's quite a character. Uh, first, first coon she ever, well, she didn't see it. I saw it, but she didn't see it. I tried every which way, but you know, there's a little knack. Some people go, some don't. But I says, go in there. I give her the leash. I said, go in there and get the dog. This was a green briar patch. I don't know if you have them in West Virginia, but they're plentiful up here. And oh, you yeah. go through them, that's like going through a bunch of razor blades. Oh, yeah. she, she was in there cussing and hollering and everything else, but she got the dog and brought it out. I just took one dog. And uh, she said, that's rough. Is it like that all the time? I said, well, just depends where you go. I said, I'll take you to an easier place in a little bit. Uh, but I couldn't, I wanted to show her the coon so bad, but I, I couldn't mm -hmm. uh, get it to look again. Took her to another woods, and believe it or not, she found the coon first. I said, see that? You're getting better already. <laughs> and uh, she got a kick out of that when she found the coon. She she didn't like shooting them. Uh, right. That bothered her a little bit at first. She finally got over that. And, I think uh, that's typical uh, with uh, women that break into coon hunting and don't have any experience with it. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, they enjoy uh, the experience of being in the outdoors. They love the dogs. Uh, and, and it's exciting to them. And then it, I think that's a great way to bring somebody into the sport, uh, is to get, let them find the coon if they can. Uh, but that's been my experience too. 
Uh, they kind of like to look at the coon. They like to see it, but they don't like to to shoot it. Well, she's been hunting with me off and on. She don't go every night. She, if I ask her to go, she'll go most nights. Now, Patty, she'll go eight nights a week if you ask her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she funny. likes someone to hunt with her, but she goes a lot herself. She'll go. She'll get up and go at one o'clock in the morning. She has no traffic on the road, nobody to bother you. And that's why she likes that. We've all had our share of dogs killed. She did too. But, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, but anyhow, the other girl, the blonde bar, her right name is Terry. And, uh, she been, she was with me last week. I think I mentioned to her in the conversation, the dog split tree. One dog went, oh, on, like uh, it was a valley and one dog's tree don't even about 60 yards from us the other dog's about 80 yards we go to the closest dog first i says put him on a leash and yeah. i said if you want time up <laughs> to a tree around there yeah you told me about that about the dogs uh jerking yeah. her down and knocked her against the tree she had a lump on her head her oh, nose was a little bloody She told everybody in town and said, what happened to you? She said, my husband beat me. (laughs) She told them. So she's she's quite a character. But like you say, it's real real hard to get uh, someone to go with you, especially night after night. I used to have a guy, his last name was Oblish, and nobody can remember something like that. So everybody in town calls him Eddie O. And uh, I took Eddie O one night. He's quite a character. Uh, He's up in the years, I'm guessing in the 70s, but he likes to go. I sent him back. It was kill season one year. I drove up in this woods. There's an old trail in the woods. And my truck, if I can get it to the tree, I'll get it to the tree. I ain't walking. And uh, uh, I got a wench on it and everything else because I'm used to getting stuck. But uh, anyhow, I go up there, and we run out of bullets. I guess I was doing the shooting, and we we didn't have many in my game bag, and I guess only about 10. I says, go back to the truck, and there's some bullets in the glove box. Bring them with you. I didn't lock the doors or nothing because there ain't a house for a mile there in this wood. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Where could he be? The truck is only 100 yards. It's the most, (laughs) probably 80 yards. Finally, I look way over the next hill, and he has a cell phone. I I call him up. I said, Eddie, where are you at? I'm near the truck, I think. I said, wave (laughs) your light up in the air. Wave your light up in the air. Sure enough, that's Eddie O. Walked 500 yards the wrong way. I says, watch for my light. See if you see it. Is that it up in here? I said, what else would be in here? <laughs> so I had to direct him back. And, uh, oh, that was a mess. You had to be there to see it. I, I thought, how could anybody walk? He walked in front of the truck and kept on going. <laughs> Never saw the truck. And I guarantee uh, he was within 20 yards of it. Never saw the truck. But like I say, I had some that are pretty good. And, uh, Johnny Children, when he was a kid, he used to he used to hitchhike 15 miles to come down my house, go coon. I'd always take him home, but I wouldn't pick him up. 
and he wanted to go so bad. He didn't have dogs, but he wanted to get dogs, and he eventually did. He had mm. he had some good red dogs at first. He had one he called Hickory Two, and he told me John Wick tried to buy it off him when he ran against him in the night hunt. Uh, the dog made a night champion, but uh, as usual, John liked the money, and somebody uh, offered him, a guy that hunted with him occasionally, Often pretty good price for a kid 16 years old at the time. And he sold the dog. And I got him a walker dog off of Fred Luber. And he he was not because I had him or anything else. The dog's name was Lead. He was loud. He was so loud, we lost him one night. That was before trackers were out. And, uh, well, no, they had the beep, beep ones. And we lost him one night. We had the heater on full blast because it was like January and cold as heck. And we're riding the road and we could hear that dog tree and back in the woods at least a mile with the heater on and running 40 mile an hour on a back road. And that's how loud he was. He had an outstanding mouth. I'd one say best- that's pretty loud. Well, you know, our listeners, uh, some will remember John Chilzer. And, yeah. uh, and he passed within what the last year or so Fred? yeah mm-hmm. yeah when uh, he got out when he got out of the service he was in vietnam and he got out of the service he hunted with me darn near every night and uh, he could climb any tree as good as a squirrel i couldn't believe it i never was a climber uh, except on a step ladder but uh, he could, he could climb a tree. And well, guys like it. us, short guys, you know, we we it's a long way to that first limb. I never bragged on being a climber, so uh, I usually stayed on the ground. I said, "Let the boy climb." Yeah, but, that's right. But John was a real hunter. He'd hunt. Uh, he worked for me when he got older. He got uh, worked for me on the dog control business, and um, he. He wanted me to give him four or five days off in a row uh, so he could coon on. That's when the coons were bringing $30, $40. He figured he could make more money coon on until daylight than he could working for me. And I said, no, no, I need you. That got him a little teed off, but he, he kept working. <laughs> well, but work has always gotten in the way of coon hunting. Yeah, he'd bring, in, he'd bring in 20-some coon a night. Wow. He, oh, he was a hunter. There's mm. no question about that. Well, our he listeners was, probably can't imagine, especially some that live maybe in the mountainous regions and areas where coon aren't so popular, but that yeah. there really are places in the country or, or uh, have been and, yeah. and probably are. I would say there's probably more coon around the country right now than, than ever uh, because there's, you know, the coon hunting uh, the coon hunters aren't as plentiful. Right. Yeah. Uh, John, Johnny Coons from we- good old wonderful wild West Virginia, Petersburg, go. West Virginia. Oh yeah. I met him by accident. I think through children. I'm not sure. And he was a Walker man, but he started coming up. It's 126 miles of my house from his house. And he started coming up here coon hunting. And I showed him so many coon in a week's time. And guys would ask him back home, why the heck do you go clear to Moran's to go coon on? 
He says, because I'll see more coon in one night up there than I will in a week down there. <laughs> now, at the time, West Virginia didn't have no coon. They got them now. Uh, I don't know if they're as plentiful as they think or like, but th- they do. I've been down to John's place, and we he had feeder buckets out everywhere. We treat a bunch of coon. Yeah. But yeah. he told me, he said, Fred, uh, 10 years ago, I wouldn't even got a bark on the same place as we went tonight. Yeah. And that's why he come up to my place so often. And uh, Well, I uh, figured he came up for the stories, you know, maybe more so than the coon, you think? Well, it could be, could be. <laughs> Fred, we're going to have to cut it off, buddy. We've been at it here another 15 minutes or so. We're well, going to have to do all I hope you got something you could use. Oh, absolutely. It's always a, a, a joy to to talk to you and i hope you and patty have a great hunt tonight and and uh you'll have a big I'll, story I'll to tell, tell you about the time patty pulled me out of quicksand and i was stuck that's a story and it's uh, all right so. well we're gonna save that one for next time okay all right good oh, enough okay folks that's fred moran the red bone man always great to visit with him that's going to wrap it up tonight for the gone to the dogs podcast if you're looking for me I'll tell you where you can find me. I've gone to the dogs. Thank you, Steve. We'll see you. Thank you, Fred.